It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. All right, guys, you are Locked On Falcons. I am your host, Aaron Freeman, and today I am breaking down my final 53-man roster projection for the Atlanta Falcons heading into the final preseason game. You are Locked On Falcons, your daily podcast on the Atlanta Falcons, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, guys, you know me. I'm Aaron Freeman. Been covering the Falcons for a long time at Falcons.com. You can check me out on Twitter at Falcons, And, of course, I'm the host of this illustrious Locked On Falcons podcast. Today we're doing the 53-man roster breakdown. This is sort of, you know, simulcast, as it says, as it were, with, uh, you know, article up at LockedOnFalcons.com. You can read that if you want, or you can just listen to this 30-minute episode and basically get the gist of everything that's in that article. Uh, maybe some additional thoughts are in that article, and maybe some additional thoughts will be in this podcast. So click on both, but uh, you probably don't need to. Yeah, that's probably hurting my brand. Anyway, um, we'll also touch upon sort of the big Geno Atkins extension and whether that's going to how that's going to impact the Grady Jarrett signing. Um, yeah, so let's just jump right into that. Um, Geno Atkins got a monster extension today, a four-year, $65.3 million extension with about $25.5 million in the first year, and I think $37.5 million in the, in the first two years. I don't know what, you know, is technically guaranteed or not, but basically, given the, the expectation that the Bengals are not cutting Geno Atkins anytime soon, you can pretty much look at that as, as guaranteed money um, in all likelihood. So that sort of sets a, a different benchmark for what we're talking about with the Grady Jarrett potential extension. For those of you that may recall, back in early August when all the Falcons were signing extensions and we were talking about Grady Jarrett, sort of his ceiling and his floor, the floor for him was something around what Timmy Jernigan got, which was around $12.5 million per year, with something probably in that $25 million range in terms of guaranteed money. And the ceiling was probably something at the Kawan Short level, which was about $16 million a year, with about $40 million or $45 million guaranteed money. Um, so the Geno Atkins contract, in a lot of ways, sort of is at or above the, the Kawan Short level. Geno Atkins, I, I saw, um, which was... Uh, that he is the highest paid non-quarterback over the age of 30 in terms of per year money at that 16.35 or whatever the decimal point is on the per year on the new money contract. So I think that will sort of let us know where sort of, you know, my expectation now is that Grady Jarrett will be somewhere in that Kawan short range. And as I've suggested on previous episodes of this podcast, pretending to be Grady Jarrett's agent, I think that I would definitely 100%. I was already going to ask for Kawan short money prior to this extension. And now that Geno Atkins at the age of 30 and Grady Jarrett is what, 25? Yeah, 25 will be 26 next year uh, when he's, you know, um, playing under the full, fullness of that contract. Is four years younger, basically, uh, four or five years younger. It, um, you know, I'm definitely asking for that type of money now. So. It's up to the Falcons to pay up. Um, and if you if you didn't if you missed that episode, 
I believe that was the first week of August, August 7th, I think was that episode where I pretended to be Grady Jarrett's agent. Um, so uh, check that out if, if you're curious to more details. But basically, it's like doubling down on let, give me Kawan short money. And I think I said in that episode, like, if I'm Grady Jarrett's agent, I want to be the highest paid D tackle in the NFC South. And now I 100% want to be there. Maybe I was like 97% before, uh, but now I'm at 100%. So that's basically it. We'll see what that gets to deal. If that deal gets done now that there's sort of a benchmark and now the Falcons are like, well, I guess now we have to pay you 16. Um, and, you know, maybe that deal gets done sooner rather than later. Uh, you know, we saw, you know, it's comparable potentially to what we saw with Julio Jones and his extension uh, what, three years ago. And then a week later, within a week, I think it might've been five days later, AJ Green signed his extension. Cause it was like, once that deal got done, it was like, okay, now I know like these are, these points are sort of non-negotiable at this point. So let's just, you know, get this finalized and, and maybe that happens or, or maybe we go another two months without Grady Jerry getting contract. Who knows at this point? Um, but I'm, I'm optimistic that, you know, we might get some news potentially even before the season starts possibly. So look forward to that. Um, let's talk about the roster prediction. But before we get there, I want to let you guys know that it is crunch time for fantasy and Locked On Podcast Network is delivering. Locked On has a brand new fantasy show, Locked On Fantasy Football 24-7. Fantasy Football 24-7 will give you the latest trends, hottest roster moves, and where to get that advantage Plus, Ethan Turner, the injury expert, will give you that extra edge I know you guys need. Locked On Fantasy Football 24-7 is here to help you win your league. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is David Harrison of the Locked On Commanders Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Discover. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. So let's look at this uh, 53-man roster projection. And not a whole lot of changes from the projection I had at the beginning of the summer on the eve of training camp. If you go back and check that, ultimately, there was only three changes I made to my 53-man projection. A couple of changes, several changes I made to the uh, practice squad. Let me count them up. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Okay, so seven out of the ten practice squad players I projected are different, which sort of, you know, the practice squad projections are a absolute shot in the dark, or at least there are for me, maybe other people have some insight. The fact that I only had to change seven over the last five plus weeks to me is a great accomplishment in my book. But um, we'll talk about those, those 53 guys and the the 10, technically 11 guys that I think will make the practice squad because Alex Gray is an international player. But let's jump right into it. All right. So um, at the quarterback position, no surprises here. If you've been paying attention to what I've been talking about on this podcast, Matt Ryan, Matt Schaub are the two quarterbacks. I think Kurt Bankert will make it as a practice squad player, but I do not think he has play has been at a level that merits him being kept on the 53 man roster that could change if he really lights it up against Miami I'm assuming he'll probably play two if not three quarters of this game and will have ample opportunity to have a really good game uh, and maybe get some points for the Falcons backups because we know 
nobody other than Matt Ryan has led a scoring drive for the Falcons so far this year, uh, this summer. So hopefully that's something that Binkert can do. Um, moving on to the running back position, no changes here. Devontae Freeman, Tevin Coleman, Edo Smith, and Ricky Ortiz. I have Ricky Ortiz making it as the fullback. As you guys will recall, I was the first on the Ricky Ortiz bandwagon when the Falcons signed him. Right? I think Jocelyn Fowler has made a push. There is still a, a, an outside chance that he can um, you know, flip this position with a strong game against Miami tomorrow night, but I don't expect it to happen. I think Ricky Ortiz has, has done more than enough. And, um, you know, I think on the practice squad, instead of Malik Williams, like I had at the beginning of the summer, now I have Justin Crawford. I think Crawford, the fact that he has gotten regular work on special teams in all three games, I have yet to see Malik Williams on special teams. Um, And the fact that Crawford has consistently been the top backup after Edo Smith on the depth chart coming off the bench, um, I think is makes him a very strong candidate to be that fourth running back um, on the practice squad. Uh, Looking at the wide receiver group, no surprises here. Six guys make it. Julio, Sanu, Ridley, Hardy, Russell Gage, Marvin Hall. I now, instead of Dantes Bird being on the practice squad, I have Reggie Davis. I still think there's a good chance that Bird does make the practice squad because it wouldn't totally shock me if the Falcons keep two receivers on the practice squad in addition to the six they keep on the roster. But I have Reggie Davis currently. I don't know if Reggie Davis is going to clear waivers because he didn't clear waivers last year. Got picked up by the Browns, lasted like a couple of a week or so, and then the Falcons wound up getting him back on their practice squad. That may be that happened again this year, and if that's the case, that does open the door for guys like Dante's Bird. I think Devin Gray, uh, if not Bird, then Gray is probably the next best candidate to be that um, you know practice squad receiver. I do think there's a, still an outside chance that Reggie Davis could leapfrog Marvin Hall. And, and make it as a six wide receiver, but it is dependent on him winning the kick return job in this up in this final preseason game, which could happen. As I as regular listeners know, I, I think highly of Reggie Davis's skill set as a returner, but he just hasn't gotten the opportunities yet. So I'm not going to necessarily bet on that happening in this final game, um, since we haven't really seen him get as the the, uh, the number of opportunities I think maybe his ability deserves over the last three games. Um, at the tight end group, I have Austin Hooper, Logan Paulson, Eric Saubert. I have Troy Manjin and Alex Gray making it as a practice squad. Gray automatically has that 11th spot as an international player. Manjin, I think, will be kept as a blocking tight end that they can sort of develop for a year and, and hopefully get something out of him in 2019 if and when the team decides to move on from Logan Paulson and have somebody ready-made on the roster or on the practice squad ready to be elevated into that number three spot where I think the Falcons are hopeful that, you know, Saubert will then take over the number two spot. But we'll see how that plays out over the course of the season. Um, up front on the offensive line, we have 10 guys making it. This is the only change I've had on my offensive 53-man roster projection. Uh, in, in Prior to the summer, uh, prior to training camp, I had nine guys making it. Essentially, I added Matt Gano, who was formerly on my practice squad projection, in July, to the roster as that 10th man. So it's Jake Matthews, Andy Levitri, Alex Mack, Brandon Fusco, Ryan Schrader, Wes Schweitzer, Ben Garland, Ty Sambrello, Matt Gano, and of course, the incomparable Sean Harlow. Um, you know, I had Pastor making it uh, instead of Sambrello. This is one of the three changes I made to the roster. Again, Gano being one of the, the second of those three. Um, we'll talk about the player he essentially replaced on the roster in a in a minute or so. 
But uh, if you guys have been paying attention to the podcast the last week or so, we talked quite a bit about this offensive line position battle because really, when you look at the offense, this has been the only position battle of real consequences where guys are you know actually making a push. And we'll talk maybe a little bit more in depth about how this battle will go down on tomorrow's episode, previewing that Dolphin game and what can change in that game that may you know change the the math on this position battle. But I think Sam Brelo has outperformed Pastor um, to a certain extent. I haven't been a huge fan of Sam Brelo's performance this summer, but you know I don't think I'll ever be a huge fan of anything Ty Sam Brelo does. You know, no offense to the Sam Brelo family if they're out there listening. I doubt they are, but um, you know I just don't think very highly of him as a football player, but you know, you can't, you can't love them all, so to speak. I think Gano has flashed a lot of potential and hopefully will be, you know, sort of groomed for a year on the roster. I've said a number of times, I would be completely shocked if the Falcons wind up cutting Sean Harlow and basically giving up on a fourth round pick. As I've said on previous episodes, I think if he's cut, then he's probably not going to clear waivers if he does, I don't think he's going to last very long, similar to what we saw with Brian Hill last year, who lasted, what, like three weeks on the practice squad before the Bengals picked him up or something like that. I think that's basically the same case with Sean Harlow. There's too many teams in desperate need for offensive linemen, you know, where most teams keep nine or, or ten guys on their roster, and there just aren't enough good offensive linemen that some team is basically like, hey, the Falcons cut this former fourth-round pick. We had a fifth or we had a sixth-round grade on this guy. Why don't we pick him up? It's better than keeping this other guy that we just had in training camp that didn't perform at a high level. So I feel like basically cutting Harlow, there's almost a 0% chance that he makes it through the season on the practice squad. I think if you cut Gano, there's probably like a 15% chance that he makes it through the season on the practice squad. Maybe it's higher than that. But I think you know if you had to choose one of those guys um, to keep, I think Harlow makes the most sense from that standpoint. But Obviously, I think Gano has outperformed those guys. So I think ultimately it makes the most sense for the Falcons to find a way to keep both of those guys on the roster. And I think they will have that ability to do so. Uh, on the practice squad, I have Jamil Douglas making it. Um, I was this close to putting J.C. Hassenauer on the practice squad in addition to Jamil Douglas. But I think the fact that Douglas also has that center experience will allow him to keep that job over Hassenauer. Um we got more to talk about with this roster battle looking at the defensive players, but I want to let you guys know that the Lockdown Podcast Network is expanding with college shows, launching several SEC shows with Alabama, Arkansas, Kentucky, and Tennessee. You can check out Florida State in the ACC, Oklahoma and Baylor from the Big 12, Ohio State, Penn State from the Big 10, and Oregon from the Pac-12 with much more to come as this season rolls on. Find them wherever you get your podcasts, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. So let's move to the defensive side of the ball. Look at my projections. Basically, 
Uh, I had 10 guys at my pre-camp projection. Now that's down to nine. Uh, essentially, Gano makes the team over JT Jones, who I previously had making it as that 10th guy. The other nine guys have stayed basically the same. I have Vic Beasley, Tack McKinley, Grady Jarrett, Terrell McClain, Jack Crawford, Brooks Reed, Derek Shelby, Deidre Sonat. We've talked about for several months now that those eight guys were pretty much locks to make the team. And it was really a question of who was going to emerge during training camp as the ninth guy and possibly the 10th D lineman. I have the guy that I've been projecting all along as the favorite there making the team. That's Garrison Smith. I could easily see it being Justin Zimmer. I still think there's an outside shot that JT Jones could wind up being that guy if he performs at that level against Miami. I just haven't seen the pass rush ability quite yet to really justify keeping him on the roster. So I think right now it's between those three guys with an outside shot that maybe Anthony Wimbush, if he really goes off against the Dolphins, might also sort of sneak on. But I think right now it's probably more likely to be Smith and or Zimmer. And really, depending on how they perform in this Dolphin game, I could easily see those guys flip-flopping. And right now I have Smith on the roster. I have Zimmer on the practice squad alongside Winbush. And so I think Smith or Zimmer could flip-flop. And the other, the loser, so to speak, could wind up on the practice squad over the other. But that's going to be something we'll talk about on tomorrow's episode in detail and in-depth in terms of what's at stake in this final preseason game. Moving on to the linebacker position, six guys make it. This is another change that I had. Uh, Deion Jones, Devondre Campbell, Duke Riley, Kamal Ishmael, Foye Olakun, those five guys we sort of know, have known for a while were going to make it on the team. It was a question of whether the sixth guy, if the Falcons chose to keep six, who would make it in that spot. I previously had Richard Jarvis due to his versatility to play that Sam linebacker spot. Now I have Jonathan Celestin. I just think... For, you know, you guys know, you've been watching the games too. Celestin has just been playing lights out uh, and far and away has outplayed some of these other guys. I do think there's a chance that the Falcons could scour the waiver wire potentially and try to get a veteran, particularly a veteran in the same vein that they did last year with Jordan Tripp, a veteran that can play that Sam linebacker spot that can fill a role on special teams and have that guy on the roster instead of Jonathan Celestin, who will then be punted essentially to the practice squad and over Richard Jarvis, who I currently have projected at, as the practice squad. But like, we'll see how that sort of plays out. Um, you know, I have Celestin as a six linebacker, Jarvis as that seventh guy on the practice squad, but I could see a situation where a veteran is brought in, uh, particularly one that plays that strong side linebacker spot, because right now, Kamal Ishmael is the only guy, you know, on my roster projection that I think is a special teams guy. And again, this goes back to somewhat what I was talking about with JT Jones a minute ago is one of the reasons why I think it helps his chances of making the roster just because he's spent a lot of time playing that strong side linebacker spot. But I do think his pass rush ability needs to be on display uh, tomorrow night against the Dolphins, which we really haven't seen from JT Jones this summer, like we saw uh, last summer. So uh, without that, then I think it's going to be hard pressed for him to make the roster. Um, Wrapping up with the secondary, starting with the cornerback group, six guys making it. Um, Desmond Trufant, Robert Alford, Brian Poole, Isaiah Oliver, Bleedy Ray Wilson, Justin Bethel. You know, we had Dave Choate on the podcast on Monday expressing his question marks on whether Bleedy Ray has done enough to make the roster. I felt like Bleedy Ray all along would make the roster just because the Falcons didn't have a ton of sort of experience um, and needed guys that had experience playing special teams. And that's something that Bleedy Ray has uh, done in Atlanta over the last two years. 
Um, but I think his performance, as I su- suggested on that episode, he's been the fourth best corner the Falcons have had so far in the preseason. He's outplayed Isaiah Oliver. He's definitely outplayed Justin Bethel. So it would shock me at this point if he, get, he gets cut. Um, he would be vulnerable down the road if the Falcons made multiple changes just because, you know, he's probably not going to see much work during the season. He'll probably be inactive for the majority of games, you know, unless there are multiple injuries at that cornerback position. But, um, you know, he'll be one of those guys that's sort of on the bubble through the season. Basically, if the Falcons have to shuffle around the roster to deal with other injuries. But I think for the time being, his job is pretty safe. On the practice squad, I listed Chris Lamons and Ryan Neal at this position as cornerbacks. Uh, Lamons has played exclusively in a slot so far this preseason, although he's listed as a safety. Ryan Neal started out as a corner, but then... Uh, moved to safety this past week. I think the fact that both of those guys have that versatility to play both safety and cornerback, Lamons in the slot, Neal on the outside, I think gives them added value. Both of those guys have been regulars on special teams as well since they joined the team. Um, so I think that also is going to help their cause as well. The fact that I think Neal actually started last week's game on special teams, which, you know, sneaky suggests that maybe he's got a decent chance of Winning one of those last 53 roster spots, I don't necessarily see it, but it could happen. Like, you know, I would be surprised, but if he turns out a good performance against Miami, makes a couple of plays, breaks up some passes, gets a pick, strips some, you know, people or something, or really does something on special teams, it wouldn't be out of the question that he could snatch a roster spot from somebody else on the roster. Who that player is, I don't know. But it wouldn't be out of the question there. So that's something to keep an eye on. We'll talk about that in further detail on tomorrow's episode. At the safety position, Ricardo Allen, Keanu Neal, DeMonte Casey, Ron Parker. No surprises. We've known basically since they added Parker that this was going to be the situation. The question going into training camp, you know, before they added Parker was which one of these other guys, whether it was Tyson Graham or Marcellus Branch or Cedric Cooper, Jason Hall at the time was now with Seattle. Um which one of these guys would potentially emerge as a fourth safety that could replace that Sherrod Neesman spot on the roster? Once they signed Parker, that sort of came off the table. And then it really just became a question of whether any of these guys would play well enough to make the practice squad. I thought going into the summer that Tyson Graham was that guy, um, has not performed at it, struggled, you know, gave up that big play to Tariq Hill, was to blame on that one, um, and has missed a number of tackles. And, you know, the fact that Ryan Neal surpassed him and basically with, you know, two weeks of work outplayed any of these other safeties in one performance. And he still had an up and down performance, but still was significantly better than the other guys sort of tells you that none of these guys I see are necessarily destined for the practice squad. So, um, you know, finishing up the roster on special teams, Matt Bryant, Matt Bosher, Josh Harris, enough said, you know, you know, shout out to Giorgio Tavecchio and, and David Marvin. I hope they kick well. I hope they catch on with other NFL teams, but it ain't going to happen in Atlanta. You know, basically they're competing for an opportunity for elsewhere in the league or competing for an opportunity to be on speed dial for the Falcons should they kick and or punt well. And or and we see Matt Bryant or Matt Bosher, you know, getting nicked up later in the season or something like that. Um, so that's about it. Um, as far as the rosters go, that's really all the changes I've had. Um, I hope you guys appreciate that. I'm sure that, you know, that will not be 100% accurate when we get down to the final cuts, which I think are Friday or Saturday, with the, ro- the practice squad being established on Sunday. So 
We will talk probably on Monday's episode. We will probably talk about, you know, the final roster, you know, assuming the Falcons don't make their cuts early on uh, Friday morning or something like that, which then we might have an opportunity to talk about on Saturday. But um, for the most part, we'll probably save it to Monday because there's a decent chance that the Falcons could, you know, look at guys on the waiver wire ahead of uh, Thursday's game. I think because the Falcons have a Thursday game, it's less likely that they're going to be doing a whole lot of changes with their roster in the week prior, you know, kicking off the week one game against the Eagles. I do, I will say, we'll wrap things up here. I will say, as I suggested, I do think linebacker is a possibility for them. A veteran player that can play Sam, possibly play some Will in the, in the event that they still don't trust Duke Riley or Foyer Olakun to start for them um, and also play special teams. I think that's a guy that's possibly on the radar. Whether that guy becomes available, I have no idea, guys. As I said on Monday, I haven't really noticed anybody out there that's sort of on the bubble that really fits that bill for us, but we'll see what happens. There's always surprise cuts. Um, I also think an edge rusher is a possibility, but I want to note, I don't think the Falcons are going to sign an edge rusher that is purely a pass rusher. If they're going to sign an edge rusher, my expectation is that's going to be a guy that also can play on special teams. Because again, um, I don't feel like that player is going to play a ton of defense, really, because with Vic and Tack, as long as Vic and Tack are healthy and you have Brooks Reed, who, you know, I know people disagree with this, but, you know, graded out as one of the best backup defensive ends in the league last year, you don't really need a guy that's going to really enhance the pass rush, or you hope you don't need a guy, you know, that, that really sort of depends on where you think Vic Beasley and Tack McKinley are as pass rushers, which is a whole separate podcast, but which we had like four of those episodes over the last nine months. But anyway, um, I think if they're going to sign an edge rusher, it's not going to be a guy like Robert Ayers who just got signed by the Lions and then cut within like eight hours or whatever it was. It's going to be someone that can also play special teams. And so it's, it's you know, who that guy is, who's a, a viable pass rusher that can also immediately contribute on special teams. I have no idea. But uh, if that guy exists, I think the Falcons would be interested in. The other option I think that the Falcons would look at on the waiver wire would potentially be a return specialist, assuming that whoever the Falcons have penciled in at that spot doesn't necessarily, you know, fill the team with a lot of hope and expectations. Um, I, you know, we talked about this on Monday with Dave, but um, if I was guessing, I would guess that if the season started tomorrow, that Calvin Ridley and Justin Hardy would be the kickoff and punt returner respectively with the possibility that Marvin Hall might take one of those spots, depending on how the Falcons want to structure their 46-man uh, roster, their active game day roster. But I would think right now those are the guys. I do think that won't be fully settled until Thursday night's action. I still think, as I said earlier, there are opportunities for guys like Reggie Davis or Isaiah Oliver and, and whoever else gets the opportunity to return kicks, Ito Smith and whoever else. Um, to sort of make a name and, and t- snatch that job away. But I think right now, you know, Dan Quinn mentioned on his press conference on Tuesday that he already has an idea of where he wants to go, but he hasn't, he doesn't plan to make any announcements quite yet. And, um, you know, it seemed that they're still leaving the door ajar for other guys to impress them come Thursday. So we'll see how that goes. But it could be possibly that if a team does cut a, you know, solid, kick returner um this weekend 
that the Falcons, you know, basically a Ryan Switzer type of player who just got traded from Dallas to Pittsburgh for the second time in the last, what, nine months that Switzer has been traded. Um, I think it's the last five months, actually, because I think he got traded from Dallas to Oakland. I'm sorry, Oakland. He got Oakland to Pittsburgh, got traded from Dallas to Oakland in like April, right before the draft or during the draft, and then just got traded from Oakland to Dallas. So I guess it was a Martavis Bryant for Ryan Switzer in a third round pick trade, ultimately in a condition or something. Anyway, I'm digressing. I'm sorry. So like if a guy like that becomes available is basically the point I'm trying to make. If a guy like that becomes available, a guy that's been an established return special and productive in this league, I could see the Falcons picking that guy up. Other than that, I don't necessarily see the Falcons really looking at anybody else on the waiver wire. Um, Again, I think for the most part, if the Falcons are going to address their waiver wire, it's going to be a player that primarily will be asked to play special teams, at least early in the season, until they sort of fill out their role and maybe potentially as a, as a pass rusher or as a linebacker could eventually carve out a role on the regular defense as the season wears on once they get more comfortable within the Falcons' scheme and system. But for the most part, I think if they're going to be scouring the waiver wire, it's going to be for a special team. So... That's what we had to talk about today, guys. We'll be back tomorrow to talk about in detail some of the remaining roster battles, who's fighting for practice squad spots, which guys are uh, potentially, you know, fighting for other jobs elsewhere in the league and maybe could land on a practice squad elsewhere because, you know, there's only 10 practice squad spots available and and really like three or four roster spots that are up for grabs in tomorrow night's action. We'll talk about that. Then we'll come back on Friday with a rapid reaction, and then presumably we'll come back on Monday talking about the roster and the practice squad and see how many players I got wrong and see which player the Falcons cut that ticked me off, and I'll rant about it for 15 minutes because it always happens. Uh, Maybe it's Sean Harlow. Maybe it's somebody else. Um, We'll see. And, um, yeah, until then. You are Locked On Falcons, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.